0: questions, I'd like to point out the British Sign Language interpretation of proceedings is available to watch on the Parliament Live TV. I'd also like to welcome Lord Mackay, who is retiring today after yeah, many distinguished yeah, years as Lord yeah, Chancellor. Yeah, yeah. Before I call Kim Beater to, to ask the first question, it's only fitting... Before I call Kim Levita it's to ask her first question. It's only fitting to note this is likely to be the final time the Honourable member Fluxbridge addresses the House as prime Minister. I would, I would like to wish him and his family all the best for the future. Yeah. Can, I, can I say we've been through many dark times within this house, and none more so than through the pandemic? and always will be remembered for what this House did and the way that you conducted those duties during those dark times Prime Minister. I understand that Members will have differing views about the Prime Minister's performance and legacy and those views will be sincerely and passionately held but I remind Members that our constituents and others around the world watch these proceedings. Let us conduct them in a respectful manner Focusing on issues and policies Rather than personalities I remember I take this opportunity to remind Members of the words of Eskin Good temper and moderation Of the characteristics of the Parliamentary debate I expect to see that reflected today In the proceedings I now call Kim Ledmeter Question number one Mr
1: Speaker
0: Prime Minister Thank
2: you Mr Speaker Today marks the 40th anniversary of the bombings in Hyde Park and Regent Park, and uh, tomorrow sees the 50th anniversary of Bloody Friday. Such terror by the provisional IRA was barbaric and shameful, bringing untold grief to countless families, and our thoughts are with all those who lost loved ones during the Troubles. We as a Government remain determined to help build a better shared future for all the people of Northern Ireland. Mr Speaker, I have spoken to the Chair of the National Fire Council uh, last night and this morning, about the heroic work of firefighters in recent days. I know the whole House will want to thank them and all our frontline services who have been working hard to keep us safe. Yeah. My right honourable friend, the Chancellor of the Duchy of Lancaster, will be making an oral statement later. Mr Speaker, I know colleagues will wish to join me in wishing England's Lionesses well in their quarterfinal match yeah. against Spain in Brighton this evening. And I know that the House will want to congratulate Jake... Whiteman, mm-hmm. uh, who produced a stunning run to take gold in the 1,500 metres of the world championships in Oregon. Mr Speaker, as you rightly say, last week I, I told the House that this was possibly, uh, that last week was possibly my last PMQs. Uh, this uh, week, Mr Speaker, probably, certainly uh, will be my last PMQs from this dispatch box uh, – uh, or any other dispatch box uh, – Mr Speaker, this morning I had meetings with ministerial colleagues and others, and in addition to my duties in this House, I will have further such meetings later
3: today.
1: Thank you, Mr Speaker. Summer recess gives all parliamentarians an opportunity to reflect on our ability to uphold the seven principles of public life. Selflessness, openness, objectivity, honesty, integrity, accountability and leadership. These are fine principles. But public trust in politicians is at an all-time low. Will the Prime Minister be using the next few weeks to personally consider why this could be? And as the unedifying fight for his job continues,
3: if those who are vying to replace him were to draw on his wise counsel...
1: If those who are vying to replace him would draw on his wise counsel and why wouldn't they what advice would he give to ensure
3: the people we serve receive far better than they have
2: Well, Mr. Speaker, I'm afraid I didn't quite catch the last uh, bit of the uh, honourable lady's question, but I, I will be using I will be using the next few weeks to do what I think the uh, the people of this country would expect, and that is drive forward uh, the agenda on which we were elected in, in 2019, and uh, of which I think the Labour Party particularly fear the Conservative Party, and that is the agenda. And that is the agenda of uniting and levelling up and making sure that we invest in places that for decades were betrayed by Labour and left behind. And that is what the Conservatives are going to do, and that's why we're going to win again. Russia's war in Ukraine continues. Now Turkey have withdrawn its opposition to Sweden and Finland joining NATO. So what assessment does my right hon. Friend make
4: about
5: the short- and long-term securities of Europe now this has happened?
0: Prime
2: Minister. I I thank my honourable friend for that uh, excellent question. The accession of both countries, I think, will uh, be good for them. I think it will encourage, uh, it will will make all our allies safer, and I think it will make the whole of the uh, Euro Atlantic uh, security area uh, stronger, Mr. Speaker. And I'm proud of the role that the UK has played in that accession.
0: We now come to the Leader of the Opposition, Keir Starmer.
1: Can I start by saying to the Prime Minister that I do know that the relationship between a Prime Minister and leader of the Opposition is never easy, and this one's proved no exception to the rule. (laughs) But I would like to take this opportunity to wish him, his wife and his family the best for the future. Can I also put on record our gratitude to the Fire and Rescue Services for all their courageous work yesterday in extreme temperatures? All our thoughts are with those affected by the fires, particularly those that have lost their homes. I join the Prime Minister in his comments about the bombings in Hyde Park and the IRA bombings. I also join him in his comments about the lionesses. The coverage starts at 7.30 tonight on BBC One, and I'm sure the whole country will be roaring them on. Yeah. And for anyone who doesn't fancy football, EastEnders is on. So if you'd rather watch outrageous characters taking lumps out of it themselves, you've got a choice. Albert Square or the Tory leadership debates on catch-up. Uh, on that topic, Mr Speaker... why? Why does the Prime Minister think that those vying to replace him decided to pull out of the Sky Debate last night? Yeah. Prime Minister. Uh, well, m- Mr Speaker,
2: uh, I, I, I'm not following this thing particularly closely, but my, my <laughs> My, my my impression my impression is that there's been a, quite a lot of debate already, and I think the public I think the public are, are having they're having an ample opportunity to view the talent, uh, Mr. Speaker. That any one of any one of which any one of which, were, as I say before, like some household detergent would wipe the floor. Uh, with the, I mean, today happens to be just about the anniversary of, of the exit from lockdown last year. And do you, remember, do you remember what he said? Uh, he said, yeah, well, I'm going to remind him, he said it was reckless. It was because we were able to take that decision, Mr Speaker, supported by every single one of those Conservative candidates opposed by him that we had the fastest economic growth in the G7. We're now able to help families up and down the country. If we'd listened to him, it wouldn't have been possible, Mr Speaker. And I
1: don't think they'll be listening to him either. Well I am impressed he managed to get through that with a straight face actually Um, I think the truth is this They organised the TV debates because they thought it would be a great chance for the public to hear from the candidates first hand Then disaster struck because the public actually heard from the candidates (laughs) first hand But but I am interested uh, in what he makes of the battle for his job So let me start with a simple one Does the Prime Minister agree with his former Chancellor that plans put forward by the other candidates are, in his words, I've got them here, nothing more than the fantasy economics of unfunded spending promises? (laughs) Well, 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 Mr Speaker, they know all about
2: fantasy economics because uh, they, they... Committed to £94 billion of extra tax and uh, and spending, uh, Mr. Speaker, which every household in this country would have to pay for to the tune of about £2,100. It's thanks to the the former Chancellor's management of the economy, thanks to this government's management of the economy, we had growth in May of 0.5%. We have more people uh, in paid employment than at any time in the history of this country, Mr. Speaker. Uh, and I leave, I'm, I'm proud to be leaving office right now with unemployment at or near a 50 year low, Mr. Speaker. When they left office, it was at 8%. That's the difference between them and us.
1: Mr. Speaker, every Labour pledge made under my leadership is fully costed. Those buying, those buying to protect him. vying to replace him, have racked up £330 billion of unfunded spending commitments. But I do note that the Prime Minister didn't agree with his former Chancellor. So what about his Foreign Secretary? She was withering about the Government's economic record. She said, again her words, here they are, if Rishi has got this great plan for growth, why haven't we seen it in the last two and a half years at uh, the Treasury? Yeah. That's a fair question, is it, Prime Minister?
3: Yeah.
1: Uh, actually, Prime Minister. Mr Speaker, I think everybody
2: would uh, uh, agree that what you saw in the last two and a half years was because of the pandemic the biggest fall in output, uh, output for 300 years, which this government dealt with and, and coped with magnificently. Yeah. By distributing vaccines faster than any other European government, faster than any other major economy, which would not have been possible if we had listened to him. And that's why, Mr Speaker, we have the fiscal firepower that is necessary to help families up and down the country, making tax cuts for virtually everybody paying national insurance contributions. The the difference between... Labour and the Conservatives. Mr. Speaker. Uh, there is a crucial philosophical difference. Under Labour, families on low incomes get most of their income from benefits. Under us, they get most of it from earnings. Because we believe in jobs, jobs, jobs. That's the difference, Mr
1: Speaker. Mr Speaker, inflation is up again this morning, and millions are struggling with the cost of living crisis. And he... He's decided to come down from his gold-wallpapered bunker for one last time to tell us that everything's fine. I am going to miss the delusion. But his Foreign Secretary didn't stop there, Mr Speaker. She also said that the former Chancellor's 15 tax rises are leading the country into recession. And the Member for Portsmouth North was even more scathing. She said, again her words, Our public services are in a desperate state. We can't continue with what we have been doing because it clearly isn't working. Has the Prime Minister told her who has been running our public services for the last 12 years? Mr. Speaker, this is absolute. Again,
2: he's doing this completely satirical. This is the government. This is the government that is investing £650 billion uh, in infrastructure, in skills, in technology. He talks about public services. What really matters to people in this country right now is getting their, getting their appointments, getting their operations, fixing the COVID backlogs. That's what we're doing. Fixing the ambulances. That's what he should be talking about, Mr Speaker, and, and that's why we voted through. That's why we passed the £39 billion health and care levy, Mr Speaker, which they opposed. If, every time something needs to be done, Mr Speaker, they try to oppose it. Now. He's just a great pointless human bollard, Mr Speaker. That's what he is. Mr
1: Speaker, <laughs> if, only, if only it was satirical. It's what the future candidates think of his... Mr Speaker.
0: We want to get through PMQs because there's quite a few of you wanting to catch my eye. It would be more helpful to we get through in order to do that. I
1: appreciate they may not want to hear what their future leader thinks of their record in government, but I think the country needs to know. If only it were satirical, Prime Minister. It's what the candidates think of the record. Yeah. But among the mudslinging, there was one very important point, because the Member for Saffron Walden claimed that she warned the former Chancellor that he was handing taxpayer money directly to fraudsters in Covid loans. She says he dismissed her worries and that as a result he cost the taxpayer £17 billion.
3: Does
1: the Prime Minister think that she's telling the truth? Yeah. Five
5: okay,
2: well, this is the, one of the last blasts from Captain Hindsight, uh, Mr. Speaker. Because uh, at least, to, at least to me, uh, at least to me, because because they were the party. I remember they were the party who were who were so so desperate uh, for us to be uh, hiring their friends with to get to with PPE. They wanted a football agent uh, to supply and a theatrical costumier uh, to supply PPE. Do you remember, Mr. Mr. Speaker? We we had to get that stuff at record speed. Uh, we produced £408 billion worth of support uh, for families and for businesses up and down the country, Mr Speaker, and the only reason we were able to do it at, at such speed is because we have managed the economy in a sensible and moderate way. And Labour, every time they've left office, it's with unemployment higher, they're economically illiterate, Mr Speaker, and they would wreck the
1: economy. Yeah. I think the message coming out of this leadership contest is pretty clear. They got us into this mess, and they've no idea how to get us out of it. The Foreign Secretary says we can't go on with our current economic policy. The Member for Portsmouth North bemoaned the fact that what we've been doing has not been good enough. And the Member for saffron Walden probably puts it best when she simply asked, why should the public trust us? We haven't exactly covered ourselves in glory. Their words, their future leader's words... They've trashed every part of their record in government, from dental care and ambulance response times to the highest taxes in 70 years. What message does it send when the candidates to be Prime Minister can't find a single decent thing to say about him, about each other, or their record in government?
2: Mr Speaker, what what does it say about him... But no one can name a single policy of delay after three years opposition, apart from putting up taxes. He's one of those pointless plastic bollards you find uh, around, a, around a deserted roadworks on a motorway, Mr Speaker. Uh, we got Brexit done. He voted against it 48 times. We got this country far out of COVID in spite of everything uh, he would have kept and when he would have kept us in lockdown. We're fixing social care, Mr Speaker, when they have no plan and no ideas of their own. And we're now bringing forward measures in the face of strikes to outlaw wildcat strikes Mr Speaker I can tell you to outlaw wildcat strikes I can tell you why I can tell you why he does that that funny wooden <laughs> flapping gesture I'll tell you why he does that funny wooden <laughs> flapping gesture because Mr Speaker he's got he's, a, he's got the union barons pulling his strings from beneath him that's the truth £100 million Mr Speaker we've restored our democracy and our independence. Uh, we've got this country through COVID and I'm proud to say that when it comes to tackling climate change or sticking up for Ukraine, we have led the world on the international stage. And I want to thank my friends and colleagues on these benches for everything that they have done. Robert. Mr Speaker, in, in September, it will be 25 years since the anniversary The 25th anniversary of the referendum on devolution in both Scotland and Wales. One in 20 people in England and the NHS have been waiting for for more than a year. In Wales, that's one in five. And school leaders in Wales, 75% of whom say that they don't have enough capital to maintain their existing buildings, regardless of building any others. In his final opportunity at the dispatch box, will the Prime Minister and the Minister for the Union agree... That in terms of Wales, at least, devolution has been a disaster. Prime Minister. Uh, Mr. Speaker, I want devolution to to work, but I think, and I've had some good conversations with Mark Drayford, uh, but the devolved authorities, particularly Labour in Wales, need to do their job properly. Now comes the
0: leader of the SNP, Ian Blackford.
2: Thank you, Mr.
6: Speaker, and can I join you in wishing all the best in his impending retirement to. James Mackay and Beth. He has been a friend to many of us right throughout this House, and we congratulate him for his service. Can I also join the Prime Minister in congratulating uh, Jake uh, Whiteman for his success overnight in winning the 1,500 metres at the World Champions? What a fantastic achievement. (laughs) Mr. Speaker, this week has seen historic records set across the United Kingdom, but let's look at the Prime Minister's record breaking efforts in office. His Tory Brexit. £31 billion from the economy, the biggest fall in living standards since the 1970s, people's pay in real terms falling at the fastest rate on record, with the worst economic growth forecast in the G20 outside Russia, and the highest inflation in 40 years. Personally, I would like to thank the Prime Minister, in his capacity as Minister of the Union for driving support for independence to new heights. Mr Speaker, Westminster is holding Scotland back. The economy is failing and this Prime Minister has driven us to the brink of a recession. Isn't it the case that the Prime Minister's legacy of catastrophic mismanagement has paved the way for the end of the Union?
2: Uh, Mr Speaker, that's not what I observed. And he talks about records. I'll point to the the fastest vaccine rollout in Europe, lowest unemployment, as I said, uh, for uh, at or near 50 years, the lowest youth unemployment, fastest growth in the G7 uh, last year, in spite of everything. As for the Scottish uh, national. Nationalist record. Just look at look at where uh, where, where they are. They're, I'm afraid to say Scottish uh, school standards are not what they should be because of the failure uh, of the SNP. Uh, they're failing. They're failing. They're failing people uh, who are tragically addicted addicted to drugs, uh, Mr. Speaker, in Scotland. And the people of Scotland are facing another 900 million pounds in tax because of the mismanagement of the SNP. <laughs>
6: I mean the the Prime Minister might believe that nonsense, but the people of Scotland don't, because they know the reality that our NHS is the best performing in the United Kingdom and education standards under the SNP are moving in the right direction. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Speaker, well, well, Mr Speaker, that's a that's a good look to the people of Scotland, the disdain that the Tories show for our country. Mr Speaker, I hope that the Prime Minister has time to reflect on his conduct in office with all his new spare time, and I genuinely hope that he finds some peace of mind. The fact is that, as well as a record-breaker, the Prime Minister is a rule-breaker, illegally shutting down Parliament, partying through the pandemic, handing out PPE contracts to cronies, unilaterally changing the ministerial code—and let us not forget, Mr Speaker, the Prime Minister is still under investigation because he can't be trusted to tell the truth. Shameful, disgraceful and a complete waste of Scotland's time. This is how the people of Scotland will remember this Prime Minister. Isn't it the case that the Prime Minister and his Government should have had its last day a long time ago? Quite simply, Downing Street is no place
2: for a lawbreaker. Well, look, Mrs. Biggs. I think on the, the points, he's the personal abuse stuff. I, I think he's talking a load of Tosh. But when he's when he's up, idiot, But when he's up, when he's up, and when he's retired uh, to the, the the his croft. Uh, <laughs> Which may be all too soon, uh, Mr. Speaker. I, ho- I hope that he will reflect on his long running campaign to break up the greatest country in the world. Yeah. And uh, I hope he will reflect on the, on the pointlessness of what he uh, is trying to do and, th- and think instead about the priorities of the people of Scotland, which I think are about all the issues uh, that he thought were trivial, about their education, about crime, Mr. Speaker, and about the, about the burden uh, of taxation that they are unnecessarily placing on the people of Scotland. Michael Longhead.
5: A long time ago, when I trained as a pilot, I had the luxury of being able to fly around turbulent storms, but what I also had was the ability to, to rely on a team that kept my aircraft airworthy. As the Prime Minister prepares his new flight plans, could I suggest that he might reset his compass to true north and stops off in Dudley? Where he will always be welcomed with open arms, with sincere affection, and where he will be able to see the legacy.
2: I thank him for that, that renewed invitation, Mr., D. I, I've spent many happy days uh, with him in Dudley and uh, let's hope that there are more to come.
3: And yeah. David
2: as the prime minister leaves office. I'm sure the whole House is looking forward to him completing his book on Shakespeare. We wait to read what he
4: really thinks about tragic figures brought down by their vaulting ambition or scheming politicians who conspire to bring down
2: a tyrannical leader. The candidates, Mr. Speaker, now plotting to take his place all profess that they will bring a fresh start a clean break from his government. But does the Prime Minister not agree with me that a fresh start and a clean break would require a new mandate from the British people? Yeah, yeah. And
5: before they strut and fret their hour upon the stage, there should be a
2: general election? Yeah. Uh, uh, well, uh, Mr. Speaker, I I think that Polonius, that's who he is. Uh, What you need, more matter with less art, Mr. Speaker. Uh, uh, The the only thing thing you need to know, if there were to be a general election, of course, the Liberal Democrats would rightly get thrashed because that would be. Is the, that is the moment. That is the moment. That is the moment when the public actually look with horror at what Liberal Democrat policies really are, and, 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 all, and, all, the, and all these rural voters would discover the massive green taxes uh, that they would like to apply. Uh, and the, the only risk is that there, there could be some kind of crackpot coalition uh, between those guys and the Lib Dems uh, and the Scottish Nationalists put, to put that into effect. That is what we must prevent. <laughs> Thank you, yeah.
3: Mr. Speaker.
6: My constituents feel very let down by the Mayor of London. Yeah. He is consulting on cutting 18% of London's buses. The Met is in special measures. He's looking to sell Notting Hill Police Station to the highest bidder. And he is looking to push through a completely unwanted overdevelopment of South Kensington yeah. tube station. Does my Right Honourable Friend agree with me that Londoners deserve way, way better? Yeah!
2: <laughs> Mr Speaker, London once had a mayor who cut crime uh, by 25% yeah! and cut the murder rate uh, by 30% and built twice as many affordable homes as the current incumbent. And what London needs is another Conservative mayor.
0: Stone. Yeah!
4: Thank you very much, Mr Speaker. Could I just add a personal note of thanks to Lord Mackay of Clashfern, who is retiring. He is a Highland gentleman, and he has been very, very helpful to me for a number of years, and I am extremely grateful. Mr Speaker, the Prime Minister knows that harnessing wind power is crucial to the United Kingdom. The Prime Minister also knows that the Highlands have faced great historic difficulties over the years. So, I hope that the Prime Minister agrees with me that a green Freeport in the Compty Firth is vital to harnessing wind energy. It has the full support of the industry and vital to the prosperity of that region.
2: I thank you very much. I can confirm that we're committed to funding two uh, free por- a new green Freeports in Scotland to the tune of £52 million. Pounds. Wouldn't be possible, of course, if the SNP got their way and we returned to the EU. Jay Burry.
1: Thank you Mr Speaker. Can I congratulate my friend on his work to tackle regional inequality in this country through his levelling up agenda? And as he rightly reflects with pride this summer on the work of both himself and his government, will he also urge all candidates in this leadership election and all colleagues in this House to further drive forward that levelling up agenda to tackle inequality wherever it is found within this United Kingdom.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
2: I, I heartily agree with my honourable friend, Mr. Speaker, and it's not just, uh, my right honourable friend, it's not just uh, inequality, it's inequality of opportunity, and that's what levelling up
0: addresses. Yeah. John Lloyd, Sir. Th-
2: thank you, Mr. Speaker. You know, very
6: few people in the north of England believe that the levelling up agenda has achieved anything at all. Now, the Prime Minister has a, a few days left in office. Can he use this to drive through the, the Trans-Pennine rail system that we were promised would be finished in 2019 and will not be finished before 2030? It's a shambles, and he is responsible.
2: <laughs> Actually, Mr Speaker, this government's is responsible uh, for three new high-speed lines, including uh, Northern Powerhouse Rail, which no previous government has done.
4: Carolina.
0: Thank you, Mr Speaker. My Right Honourable Friend rightly
4: paid tribute to our hard-working firefighters dealing with the fires over the last few days in this unprecedented weather. Will my Right Honourable Friend take action to make sure more fires can be prevented by getting rid of disposable barbecues and
0: Chinese Skylanterns. Yes! The ones that flow.
2: Right, I thank my my honourable friend very much for her suggestions. I think the key thing is for people uh, to behave responsibly uh, first uh, with the use uh, of these things. It's clearly insane to take a a disposable barbecue onto dry grass.
0: Dr. Philippa Whitford.
1: Thank you very much, Mr Speaker. Due to Scottish Government investment in affordable housing, the Scottish child payment and extended free school meals, Scotland has the lowest level of child poverty in the UK, in contrast to the North East, which has risen by 50% on the watch of this Government. In contrast, the Prime Minister took over £1,000 from the poorest families, so much for levelling up, and those fighting to replace him have been falling over themselves to promise tax cuts to the wealthy. So if the UK is meant to be a voluntary union, does he not recognise that voters in Scotland have the right to a referendum so they can choose
3: a fairer future?
2: Actually, Mr Speaker, we increased the living wage across the whole of the UK uh, by £1,000. We made sure that people on universal credit uh, got their tax bills cut uh, by £1,000. And and in the last couple of weeks, we've cut uh, cut national insurance contributions by an average of £330. And it was because of the union that we were able to support families up and down uh, the country in Scotland uh, with the furlough and other payments to the tune of £408 billion, Mr Speaker.
0: Mr. Speaker,
4: can I thank
0: thank my Right Honourable friend for his commitment to Scotland and the entire United Kingdom over his his, years in Downing Street and to him and my friend, the Secretary of State for Scotland, for improving and increasing
4: the visibility and involvement of the UK Government in Scotland over the past three years? And does my Right
2: Honourable friend agree with me that whoever takes his job and whatever comes next, the United Kingdom will always be stronger together than it ever would be apart? Uh, brilliantly put, I could have put it better myself. Ah.
6: The Windrush compensation scheme was launched in April 2019. In the time since, we've seen this Prime Minister come and go. Meanwhile, just one in four applicants have received compensation so far and at least 28 have sadly passed away without receiving compensation. Isn't it about time for the Government to make the scheme independent of the Home Office and finally provide justice to the victims before it is too late? Yeah.
2: Uh, and actually, Mr Speaker, I think more people have got compensation. Uh, under and I, I, I renew my apologies to the Windrush uh, generation for what they, uh, they have suffered. Uh, but we have greatly uh, increased the compensation available. Uh, we paid out, I think, more than 50 51 million pounds. We are working with voluntary groups uh, to ensure that people get to what they are entitled to. Uh, but I may say uh, that Labour has never apologised for their own part in the Windrush scandal.
0: Oliver <laughs> loft.
4: <laughs> <laughs> Speaker, can I thank my right honourable friend, the Prime Minister, for all of the work he has done for Scunthorpe? But can I pay particular thanks to him for the work that he has done for Steel? <laughs> <laughs> both of the challenges that steel faces and of its importance to this nation he has kept every promise he has
3: made to me on steel yeah. and I want to thank him very much for his work on that. Does he agree with me that the future of steel is always safest under a conservative yeah. government? Yeah.
2: Uh, yes Mr Speaker and I thank her for everything that she has done to champion UK steel, a vital national industry. Yeah. So
3: Mr Speaker, this Prime Minister has been the very embodiment of the excess and the vice that the Ministerial Code was designed to protect, and once trust is broken, it's very hard to rebuild. The trust of the Good Friday Agreement between the peoples and between the governments of these islands has been systematically destroyed over the last six years, and people across the island of Ireland, whether unionist or nationalist or neither, have looked on in horror at the degradation of the rule of law, at the deterioration of Anglo-Irish relationships and at the embolstering of the far right. Many of us will work to try and restore those relationships and ensure the decent people of Britain and Ireland live entwined lives for many years to come. Can I ask the Prime Minister if he is capable of any self-reflection? Does he have any regrets of his legacy of damaging our fragile shared society and all the people of Northern Ireland?
2: Well, Mr. Speaker, I completely uh, disagree with that. Uh, the, the, the whole objective of the, uh, of the Northern Ireland Protocol Bill that we've passed is to support the uh, Belfast Good Friday uh, arrangements, to support the balance uh, of those and symmetry of, of those arrangements. I was very pleased that uh, it, it passed; its, uh, uh, got its advance into the House of Lords with no amendments. Mr. Speaker, Chris blood Mr.
5: Speaker, in recalling the situation that the Prime Minister inherited in July. Uh, 2019 of a, a parliament with a majority determined to frustrate the result of the 2016 referendum, uh, led by uh, a speaker who was just slightly partial, um, and the seemingly impossible situation he found. Uh, does my right honourable friend understand that he has uh, the gratitude of my constituents that can identify the wood from
2: the trees, and myself for his leadership over the last? Yeah. Mr I'm Speaker, I'm very grateful to my and friend, and friend. Uh, uh, you know, there's a fair amount of wood on the opposite bench uh, and I think that's why we will prevail in the next general election.
6: Mike yeah. Norbert. Uh, thank you, Mr Speaker. Since 2014, the Tory party have had more Prime Ministers than we've had referendums. May I remind the PM of the Smith Commission report that states it is agreed by all parties that nothing in this report prevents Scotland becoming an independent country. Therefore, does the prime Minister believe in a democracy and will he respect the people of Scotland's
2: right to self-determination
0: yeah.
2: Mr Speaker I think that uh, the people of Scotland uh, uh, do not frankly want to be talking about constitutional issues when there are when uh, another referendum uh, when the issues before the country are far, the cost of living uh, the educational issues that we discussed drugs crime Mr Speaker I think they're far more pressing
4: what yeah. Francois. Thank you Mr. Speaker The Prime Minister spoke earlier about the atrocities carried out by the IRA. For decades, many men and women had the courage to put on the Queen's uniform and uphold law and order in Northern Ireland on Operation Banner. One of the Prime Minister's undoubted achievements is he brought in the Northern Ireland Legacy Bill so that those people who serve their country can finally sleep safely in their beds. Thank you for that, Prime Minister, if I may be so presumptuous on their behalf. You kept your word to yeah.
2: me. Yeah. I'd like to thank my old friend for everything he did to campaign on that issue. For. Uh, for so long. and I am glad that this Government was indeed able to fulfil its promise uh, not just to the uh, veterans uh, but to their families uh, as well. And I would like to uh, renew my thanks uh, to the security services who do so much to keep us safe, but also to all those who put on the Queen's uniform.
0: Mr. Speaker, Prime Minister, of the OECD forecast the UK economy with zero growth in GDP for 2023. That would be the worst performance in the G7. Ireland, Switzerland, Norway, Denmark, the Netherlands, Iceland, Sweden, Austria, Belgium and Finland are all wealthier than the UK. Why should Scotland not be afforded the same opportunity to seek prosperity through being a sovereign independent nation standing as an equal amongst other equal nations
2: uh, Mr Speaker, the UK uh, was the fastest in the G7 last year we will return to the uh, top of the table uh, soon uh, because we came out of COVID fastest and 0.5% growth in May Mr. Speaker. and the people of Scotland, don't forget the people of Scotland, like the people of the whole of the UK are supported by the massive fiscal firepower of the UK Treasury and, uh, and, and that is a great advantage
0: Shirley Macquarley Speaker, and can I place on record my thanks, particularly to the firefighters of Cornwall, who were also extremely busy and courageous yesterday. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, can I thank this Prime Minister for his support and enthusiasm for Cornwall and for the people of Cornwall over the last few years, not least for the hosting of the G7 last year and can i also thank him for the investment of the self um, of the shared prosperity fund an investment of 132 million pounds which for an average national average of 17 pounds a head cornwall sees 233 pounds a head and does my right honourable friend agree that his Enthusiasm for leveling up every part of the United Kingdom needs to carry on in the future
2: yes, uh, she 's a fantastic champion. my friend is a fantastic champion for, for Cornwall, and we will continue with our programme to support the greater Southwest, whether it 's through the, uh, the A303 or broadband. Uh, Mr Speaker, Cornwall has a bright future uh, with her as a representative
6: Thank you, Mr Speaker. Well, the Prime Minister has been on the randan at Chequers. People in Scotland are suffering because of this Tory cost of living crisis, and we're paying a high price for his disastrous hard Brexit imposed against the wishes of Scottish voters. It's time to end this democracy denial, Prime Minister. Scotland can't afford to stay shackled to this crumbling union and Tory governments that we don't vote for. Does the Prime Minister not accept that Scotland is a democracy? He has no right to overrule the votes of people in Scotland and we will have the referendum
3: that we voted for.
2: Mr Speaker, this is the, uh, the country that uh, secured uh, furlough, that delivered the vaccine across the whole of the, of the UK, while the SNP gets on with overtaxing uh, to the tune of £900 million. Mr Speaker, that's what they're overtaxing in Scotland, and we had a referendum, Mr Speaker, in 2014. Yes.
1: Martin Bickers. Because- Thank you, Mr Speaker. I know that my right hon. Friend is aware of how important the seafood processing industry is to the Grimsby-Cleethorpes area. Uh, However, there is one cloud on the horizon, and that is the recently imposed 35% tariff on white fish, which is causing industry leaders... Uh, considerable concern. And though they recognise that the, it's important to maintain sanctions against Russia, this is causing, uh, as I say, great concern. Would uh, my right honourable friend uh, arrange meetings with me and, and my honourable friend from Grimsby with the appropriate ministers so we can discuss measures how to mitigate the impact on the industry? Yeah,
2: yeah. Mr. Uh, I'll make sure he gets a, a meeting as soon as possible with the relevant minister, but I think it is very important that we uh, encourage our great fish and chips. Shops in, uh, in Grimsey, Keethorpes and, and elsewhere uh, to make sure they're not just using uh, Russian uh, fish and chips.
0: John Littleson uh, Thank you, Mr.
5: Speaker. As the uh, Prime Minister limps off into the history books, his name up there in the pantheon of greats alongside the Duke of Portland and Spencer Percival, can he uh, update us on his defenestration honours list? How many of his cronies? William Noble, can, can we expect him to surpass Harold Wilson with a lavender list of dodgy donors, obsequious courtiers and pinchers by nature?
0: Uh, uh, Mr
2: Speaker, I'm sure that everybody who has uh, served this government loyally and, and well uh, deserves recognition of some kind, uh, but as for the honours list, I'm afraid he'll have to contain uh, his excitement.
0: C- can I just say— we wanted good temper and better moderate language. And I don't think we got it then. <coughs> right, well, I know we didn't. Anna
6: Speaker, I'd like to thank the Prime Minister for his support for the new city of South End. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Our brilliant hospital turns 90 next Tuesday. Uh, but our heroic NHS staff are hampered by the size of the A&E department. Conservative-led capital funding of 8.4 million to expand the A&E department was promised five years ago, but has not quite arrived. Will my right honourable friend encourage the new,
6: the new health secretary to give us the best birthday present ever? And in the words of Cuba Gooding Jr., show me the
0: Order. I think the prime minister has got the message. Also, I'd like, I'd like to hear your question. She's well. a brilliant <laughs> champion for
2: Essex <laughs> and, and for her hospital. Uh, I, I know the case is under uh, review by the uh, department, but never forget it's only possible because of the money uh, that this government right. is investing yeah, yeah, yeah. Go oh. round, yeah.
4: Mr Speaker, the Prime Minister will be remembered as a man of his word.
3: Yeah. Pile
4: <laughs> them high. 200,000 dead. Ooh. The highest in Europe. Yeah. F. F. Business. Four This is the truth, they don't like it, do they? Let's listen to the truth. 400,000 fewer people in jobs than before the pandemic, if you include the self employed, which the Prime Minister doesn't. So, will he now keep faith? To the 3.7 million people who've taken out student loans since this Conservative government was in power, who now face rising inflation in terms of rent, in terms of heating, in terms of eating, who now must pay seven. Listen to that rabble. Listen to them.
0: Sit Sit down a minute. When I stand, it sees if you sit down. It helps all of the chair. I want to get to the end of the question. I know he's coming right to the end now. Go round, Davies.
4: The 3.7 million people who face 7% interest rates from September, as well as the inflation on heating and eating and rent, when mortgages are 2%, will he help those people in need or will he help the city people who are making his friends, making all this money out of the
2: cost of living crisis? Mr Speaker, I'll tell you what students want. They want to be able to have a system where they don't pay back more than they borrow, and that's what we're putting in. But they want to make sure also, Mr Speaker, that they have a jobs market uh, that will take them on with high-wage, high-skill jobs. And the difference between them and us is that we get people into high-wage, high-skill jobs. They're prepared to let them languish on the
0: dole, Mr Speaker. that, that is the difference. Final questions to Redwood
3: Lee. <laughs>
0: On
5: behalf of the House, may I thank the Prime Minister. On behalf of the House, may I thank the Prime Minister for his three years' record of service. On behalf of some of the most vulnerable people in the country, can I thank him? for his insistence on rolling out the AstraZeneca jab which has saved
3: thousands of lives yeah, 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 yeah.
5: on behalf of 17.4 million people who voted Brexit yeah, yeah, yeah. may i thank him yeah, yeah, yeah. for restoring people's yeah, yeah. belief in democracy yeah, yeah, yeah. on behalf of northern towns may i thank him for his commitment to leveling up yeah, 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 yeah. and most of all On behalf of the people of Ukraine, may I thank him for holding high the torch of freedom and ensuring that that country is not a vassal state. For true grit and determination, keep going and thank you.
2: I I want to thank my right honourable friend. last few seconds, Mr Speaker, to give some words of advice to uh, to my successor, whoever he or she uh, may be. Number one, stay close to the Americans, stick up for the Ukrainians, stick up for freedom and democracy everywhere. Cut taxes and deregulate wherever you can to make this the greatest place to live and invest, which it is. I love the Treasury, but remember that if we'd always listened to the Treasury, we wouldn't have built the M25 or the Channel Tunnel. Focus focus on the road ahead focus on the road ahead but always remember to check the rear view mirror and remember remember above all it's not twitter that counts it's the people that sent us here and yes, sir, the, the last few years have been the greatest privilege of, of my life. And it's true that I, I helped to get the biggest Tory majority for 40 years and a, a huge realignment in UK politics, Mr Speaker. We've transformed our democracy and restored our national independence, as my right honourable friend says. We've helped, I've helped to get this country through a pandemic and help save another country from barbarism. And frankly, that's enough to be going on with. Mission largely accomplished. For now, I want to thank you, uh, Mr Speaker. I want to thank all the wonderful staff of the House of Commons. I want to thank all my friends and colleagues. I want to thank my rival friend uh, opposite, Mr Speaker. Uh, I want to thank everybody here and hasta la vista, baby. Thank you. (laughs)